You know, you probably hear people constantly talking about this horrible thing called capitalism. I have. Yeah, you've heard that? Yes. You're like, what? how does capitalism affect me? I will tell you, it runs your entire fucking life. You've probably heard of socialism or communism. Communism. And they say, they try to control your entire life. Your whole day is taken away from you. What control do you have over your day now? Most people have to be chained to a desk for 40 hours a week and they're not allowed to leave. When you wake up in the morning and you feel like shit and you have to wipe the sleep from your eyes and like look around and be like, why does this have to happen this early in the morning? That's a capitalism. And it controls everything, like your healthcare, your education. It all comes down to making money, but some things just don't make money. Honestly, ask yourself, how afraid are you of getting an injury and how that could possibly fuck up your life? Yeah, you're being stopped from skateboarding, break dancing, doing anything fun, because if you get injured, you're fucked forever. You can't go to work. And so then you have all these people that say, well, we can make a kinder capitalism, a more conscious capitalism. It isn't gonna fucking happen. We need anarchy, we need socialism, we need communism, we need anything but more capitalism. But wait, Brett, when you go to the grocery store, you have almost unlimited choice. You can buy a hundred different types of cereals. All made from the same stuff with different <laughs> graphics on the outside. All corn. It's basically just a bunch of boxes of corn. That's capitalism. It actually treats about 1% of the population like humans, and the rest of us like tools for those superhumans. You don't have any money, your bank account's low? I know where the money is. Jeff Bezos has it, the Waltons have it. And they took it from us, right? They took it from us. They're We're just getting our money back. Yeah, your work made that money. You deserve that money. That's your money. The 1% has never decided to do the right thing. That's why we have to take power and just spread it out among the 100% of people that exist. and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is Hello and greetings, the motherfucking damned. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the very tired goth socialist podcast. It's a Monday morning. I'm Jake Flores, and I've got Street Fight with me. Uh, welcome to the show, Brett and Brian. What's up? How are you doing? We're tired, too. This is the most tiring city in the world. I don't know how you guys just don't sleep 12 hours a day. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, was definitely, definitely got three hours of sleep today, but doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the uh, the answer is I do sleep 12 hours a day. We're above a glue factory right now. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. You save a lot of money on melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like a slow, like constant sleep aid that's in your life all the time. There's a guy from Australia I had on the show a while back. He used to live next door, and he told me he went back to Australia. And I guess they probably have better doctors than us is what's happening here. Because I went to the doctor, and they said I was fine. And they told me to fuck off. But he said he went to his Australian doctor, and they were like, they just have like graphs of his lungs and shit up on the wall, and they're like, "What happened to you?" <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> you lived here for six months, you know. <laughs> New York happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we just like paid two twenty five to get our car out of the uh, out of the valet service for the hotel, and it has a dent in it, and we're trying to like figure that out. Whoa, <laughs> it was like we were like Brett's like, should I say something? And I was like, one thing I can tell you is that if you say something, they are definitely gonna say that they didn't do that. Yeah, it's going to come back with two dents. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of fucked here, just no matter what. Yeah, I, I can't believe people live here at this point after four days. But we're busy, guy. We're we're working the whole time we're here because yeah. we're doing things. We Like, obviously, we can't do this for, at home. So we just go from podcast to podcast to live show to live show. That's the new touring. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Tour sure. of podcasts. But I know what you mean because I was I was just telling somebody the other night like I was talking about this building and it was kind of reflecting on it. It was like I would not have survived in New York. The only reason I am making it here at all is because I'm fucking living in a squat. Yeah. <laughs> it's sweet though. It looks like a real new uh, for the listeners. This looks like a real New York place. This is what you think when you think of somebody living in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I uh could buy two houses in Ohio if I lived here in the same manner that I do at home. So it's such a catch-22. Like, you could... It makes no sense that all the podcasts are here because we could live like kings if we moved this whole operation to, like, Buffalo or some shit. Right. You know? We need to start the compound. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, like, in Columbus, we... I think one of the reasons we make our living is Columbus, and it's like, uh, we go visit cities that we love. L.A., we loved L.A. Like, we when we performed in L.A., we loved it. But you can also, we can stand on stage in those cities and say our rent. I, I tell people what I pay for rent, and they actually get angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me. you're like a wrestler. They boo you. <laughs> yeah, $1,025 a month for three bedrooms in a basement in a yard is what I <laughs> Boo. <laughs> and I live in the city. I live in the nicest. I probably live in the nicest neighborhood in the whole city. I live where, like, where like the Ohio State football coach lives and shit like that. I'm mad now. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get another dent in our car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has anyone uh, has anyone taken that angle as a heel in wrestling yet? Of just like the gentrifier or something, <laughs> or like the well, I guess the reverse would be the when you come to New York, you're just my rent is cheap. I'm from yeah. somewhere else. They booed in L.A. So they booed me so hard in L.A. when I said when I said <laughs> what I pay. Like I love doing it because it's like, I mean. You guys have every advantage because we talk about like there's a lot of people who do podcasts out of the big cities that are like they fully expect to be stars, you know, like we're going to I'm going to make a living doing this. And we started and we we're like, well, this is definitely a hobby. Nobody from Columbus, Ohio ever makes it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that is what is like to me is like so likable about you guys is because I'm the same way. I'm like anytime I get to do anything in comedy or podcasting i'm like i'm i can't believe i get to do this whereas there is a real class difference when you come to new york and you're competing with you know i'll say it a fucking bunch of rich kids yeah. you know a bunch of bougie rich kids whose their attitude is like you know 
I like I should be doing this. And yeah. It's two really different ways of looking at what we're doing is we're fucking clowns. I mean, this is insane. Yeah. It's insane that we're making money doing this and that people like it. You know, we're fucking blessed. And it's uh, it's refreshing because I feel crazy sometimes because I'm not around my own kind. But like the, that, the correct response to this is like, this is fucking tight. You know? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, well, I told you this the other night. He had to tell me that if I don't start calling myself a comedian, I'll never be a comedian because I refused to fucking call myself a comedian. I wouldn't do it. I was just like, uh, yeah, I do this like podcast, but I'm really just a guy that works at a camera store. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, that's nobody believes you, you know? And, and well, you respect the, the title too much. <laughs> I way too much, which is, you know, I respect it too, but you, you we got to understand we're competing with people that don't respect it. No. And so we're going to get washed away in a sea of Dan Nine if we don't just plant our feet on the ground and go, I'm, we're comics, you know? The well, confidence of people, I mean, I, Brett can say, say this too, but like the confidence of the people in Columbus that aren't doing shit, it like really blows me away. Like I see them on, I see them on Facebook. I, I went to, a, I joined a Columbus comedy group. Which, by the way, the flyers, I really want to send you more flyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they are the worst things I've ever seen. That's maybe my favorite byproduct of comedy is <laughs> bad clip art flyers. Why, 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 why can't they just, like, I showed you the one we did for this tour that was the easiest thing in the world to make, and it looks cool. And they're just like, well, no, I need it to be, like, easier and look really bad. <laughs> It's a really a, a glimpse into the mind of a really uh, strange, like Tommy Wiseau sort of part of the comedic <laughs> mind that just doesn't understand any of this. Yeah, um, I, I mean that's a, such a huge question. Like I, that could almost be the basis for like a good documentary or something about weirdo outsider art comedians or something. <laughs> There's literally a Facebook group that started as a joke between a few friends of mine where we would just secretly share the worst shit that we saw and it turned into like now how we just all communicate yeah right Facebook what everybody's groups. doing on the internet <laughs> well those guys were so confident we would sit at the open mics and like our palms would be sweating and we look now i can say it that we were better than them obviously yeah yeah but like before we didn't know you know, kind of how people would respond to the because it's like the the dirtbag thing was like something that didn't that wasn't I don't feel like was super in comedy. I, I think like in the early days it was like I never heard a comedian tell a joke about like writing rubber checks or anything like that. <laughs> or like like he had a bunch of jokes about payday advances, and these were things that we had never heard people talk about. So naturally, when we would go on stage, we would think people are going to be fucking blown away by this. We're doing something completely new. Yeah, and they were not blown away by it. I'm kind of fascinated by this because we've talked about this a few times, and I'm like I trying to understand what the scene that you came up in was like because I kind of feel like I had a little bit of the same situation where um, par part of something that overlaps between like uh, anarchism and class politics and stuff and like me, you know, I, I started writing comedy when I was like 19 and I was still figuring out everything, you mm -hmm. know, and something I put together a while back was that I was writing about shit like that, about, you know, the the uh, madness of being fucking broke all the time yeah. and uh, being kind of a dirtbag, but also having like an interesting existential point of view on it where it's like, well, you know, fuck you, the sky, yeah. fuck, fuck everyone. <laughs> the shit that makes you secretly laugh, yeah. you know, when you're in a situation like this is fucking absurd. And then you realize that other people do 
go write a write a payday advance check to go pay off another payday advance check. <laughs> like a lot of people do that. Well, that was I mean, Street Fight kind of started because like he. I had never heard anybody so honest about their finances until I met him. Me and him were very honest with each other about, okay, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I re- he told me stories about, you know, parking his car in a different spot every night so the repo man couldn't get it. Yeah. And <laughs> when I first met him, he was driving the shittiest car I've ever seen. Oh, hell yeah. We got to talk like <laughs> comedy cars. <laughs> yeah. Grand Amps. The, the official car of Street Fight Radio is the Grand Am. Because every poor person has had one thinking it was going to be... <laughs> the ridges on the side? Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. they all think it's going to be a reliable car. Every Grand Am I owned, I was like, well, finally, I got a car that's reliable. And it's it's like it breaks down every two months like clockwork. Yeah, it's someone is like goes to a buy here, pay here lot and they're like, now Penny's going to be able to go to college and save the family. It's only going to cost us $200 a week. And you're like, no, do not leave the lot with that. I paid one sixty seven every two week for a 97 Grand Am in 2006. Oh my God. And that fucking thing, when I bought it, had three broken engine mounts. <laughs> when I bought it. I think it was in Katrina. I, somebody had told me to like look up the VIN number. It was that, in Hurricane Katrina. Yes, somebody had told me to look up the VIN number of the car because like buy here, pay here's yeah. were selling cars from from Katrina that they salvaged from Katrina, and the place I went to buy it first of all. I'm like, uh, well, you know, uh, what kind of, they're like, what kind of car are you looking for? I'm like, one that doesn't break down, preferably. <laughs> and they were like, uh, we found this Saturn for you. We, Go and give it right, a test first drive. First of all, if you're buying a car and they say, we found this, <laughs> red flag. Right and there. we take it for a drive, and, and I'm like, this car is great. This is the best car I've ever seen. I will take this car. And they're like, that'll be $367 every two weeks. And I said, I, uh, that's not in my budget. And they're like, actually, we've been looking at your budget. And <laughs> if you quit smoking cigarettes and quit eating fast food, you could afford this car. And I was like, no, I still, I'm not going to do those things. Well, so. then what am I going to put in the driver's seat foot part of the car? <laughs> so they ended up like whittling it down to this 97 grand dam and every time i just had a kid and my wife's driving this thing and like every time it went to a light it would stall and it was like 70 percent whether it was going to start again <laughs> like it was like okay it will start most of the time but sometimes it won't start then i'd have to go out and pick them back up and bring them home and we found out it's because the engine was just like wobbling <laughs> around inside the car because there were three broken engine mounts and i took it back to the buy here pay here and they were like oh uh there's three broken engine mounts that's the whole problem we can fix that for two thousand dollars and i was like oh great i don't have that money <laughs> so uh the grand day and then he had grand dams when he was I growing grew up in grand dams yeah so, like it was just, we just we want to do like a gumball rally one of those rallies where you race across the country we want to do it in cars under five hundred dollars <laughs> yeah Oh, fuck. I love it. I used to have a Ford Focus that I just drove into the ground, which, the you know, not that bad of a car, but part of being poor is something breaks and then you can't afford to fucking fix it. And then that like exponentially compounds the problem and you get a ticket and you can't afford to pay it. And then you're driving with a warrant out and the whole fucking thing just turns into this Snowballs. crazy yeah. mess or whatever. So like after a while, I just, just was like. This car is not coming back from where it started, you know. 
it, this is I'm just not gonna put anything into it. And so like somebody knocked off one of the um, the rear view mirrors. It was on the passenger side, but like when you break it off. It's still connected by like this cord, so it's just hanging. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. And then like when you would go up on the highway and it would get caught in the wind, whoever was sitting like shotgun would just be having a nice fine time, not really thinking about the fact there's no mirror out there. And then it would just be like, whoosh, like it would start, <laughs> it, like uh, Twilight Zone. There's something on the side of the plane, kind of shit would happen. It would start banging on the window next to them and scare the shit out of them. <laughs> I drove in a, a car with this guy named uh, this guy named Ronnie when I was growing up. He was driving us around and we were like smoking weed and uh it started raining while we were driving and he made the person in the passenger seat lean out he leaned out one window and the other guy leaned out the other window with towels and went like this to clean the, to do windshield wipers. <laughs> yeah i uh, i will so like i got, got a call center job was making like 11 dollars an hour with like thousand dollar bonuses so i was immediately like well i'm gonna just go get a really nice car i signed up for the loans all of the bonuses go away. All of a sudden, they want the money. I'm not paying it. Then, like, they're going to take the car. And I'm like, I mean, I need the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I parked it. Like I said, I used to park it in different lots. <laughs> After that, I had, like, $800 that I could get. And I was like, Dad, I need a car for $800. He got me a car. Fell apart six months later. I ended up with this Toyota Tercel that I drove until it just threw a rod and blew up on me. That's another classic shitty car. I yeah. went to bikes. I just went to bikes after that yeah. and stopped fucking with cars because <laughs> I had to just bought them out of the. I just bought them out of the whole thing. Like I couldn't be responsible enough to keep a car in line. Yeah, yeah. it's like car. Like uh, one of the one of the big big picture goals of our show is to like hopefully someday if we're making enough money and we can figure the insurance we've found out that the insurance on this is a lot but we want to make a garage that has all the tools that people can come to and fix their cars and that mechanics can kind of volunteer their time to fix people's cars because if you're broke like that is the albatross around your neck. The car yeah. is the thing that kills you every time when you you have to come up with eight hundred dollars to get your car fixed. You, like you never have eight hundred. I never have eight hundred dollars to just spend on something. Yeah, honestly, like New York is really expensive, but that is one thing that like when I was moving here, I was really excited about because that fucking car thing was just hanging around my neck for my entire twenties growing up in in Texas, where you just. You're fucked. I mean, yeah. If you have to walk somewhere, you go like walking up hills and shit. And there's <laughs> no, you know, the they keep the buses like they, they sort of on the sly in a lot of places, especially in, in places like Texas where they, uh, you know, have mysteriously low taxes. Well, how do you make the rest of that money, right? By having uh, a bar-based economy and buses that don't take you home from the bar. They <laughs> stop running at fucking ten o'clock or whatever. Uh, they don't have public transportation that runs 24 hours, you know, and so, yeah, it just creates this compounding fucking situation that sucks. Yeah, those dry counties down there where they just pick up Dwight Yoakam every couple years. <laughs> yeah, he, he lived in Dallas for a little while, and I went and visited, and, and I was like... Uh, I, I noticed your Texas tattoo. I was going to ask. Yeah, I had to get it because basically everybody lives in Texas has a tattoo of Texas on them. There, see? He's, yeah, I got <laughs> Represent. <laughs> if you live there, you, it makes sense. Yeah, so... I was in Dallas for only like two years. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I tried to take a walk. We tried. I was like, oh, can we walk somewhere and go grab something? And there were no sidewalks. There's just no sidewalks in this, like, in this, like, hip neighborhood that he's living in. There's no sidewalks, nowhere to ride a bike. He just got rid of his bikes when he was in Texas. He's like, what's the point of having a fucking bike? You can't ride it anywhere. They'll run you off the road. Yeah. (laughs) The place is wild. Texas is one of those places that's like, we, we tour we've toured so many different we, you know we've done Des Moines Iowa and like every uh, Minneapolis like every city has like a really hip cool part of the city that is like you can get around on a bike right. you can walk it has everything that you could ever want to do like it has a lot of the stuff that's here just less of it you know and uh Texas was the weirdest place to me because they were just like it, it was almost like they were discouraging walking or riding a bike there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of do. Like, Texas has a lot of weird values fucking hammered into everyone's head. I mean, I grew up there, and I'm still deprogramming myself from a lot of it. But, like, I mean, a lot of that shit is, like, um, you know, if you just look at the history of, like, why we have roads and cars and shit in America and not trains, you know, they tore the tracks out of the ground in L.A. when they were trying to set everything up because... You know, uh, uh, what the Firestone Tire Company was actually found guilty of conspiracy, uh, be, you know, over that because th- it was in their interest to create this fucking, uh, this, you know, this society where, you know, you're a responsible individual human and you have a truck and shit. And <laughs> yeah, fucking sucks. <clears throat> yeah, Columbus had streetcars. Like, you, there's pictures of Columbus where people are using streetcars and walking and shit. And, like, it existed, and then auto industry just fucking bulldozed it. And yeah. the, and the, and the public transportation in Columbus exists, but I, I always tell this story. I wanted to take my daughter to the zoo when she was like six years old during the summer, and I didn't have my car because my wife would drive the car to work. So I was like, "Let's go to the zoo. We'll take the bus to the zoo." And I brought it up on my phone, and I was like, "Let's catch the bus." And it was going to take four hours to get to the zoo <laughs> by bus. And I was like, "I don't think we can go to the zoo today." <laughs> well, you just get up at four in the morning <laughs> with your daughter and drag her out of bed. We're going to the zoo. You can sleep on the you can sleep on the bus. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's like there. Our buses all end. I think midnight maybe it goes to. But like DC, we got stuck in DC once. Yeah. Because their bus, their train stopped running past. Was it ten on Saturdays or eleven no. or something or midnight Sunday maybe? Or so. Was it? Yeah, we were out and we were staying outside of the city and the trains had stopped running and it was like, oh good, now we get to get a fifty dollar Uber to get to our car. Yeah. I got new a uh, fucking. We don't use uh, Uber, Lyft. I guess we use Lyft, which right. is exactly it's the like, same thing. Uh, <laughs> but you can tip. But yeah. you can also tip on Uber now, so it's kind of all the same. Yeah, they're sure. less obviously fucked up. They didn't right. do that thing at the airport, but it's still man. What are you gonna do? <laughs> um, the uh, I, I got into a fight with the chief of police in Austin when I lived there, who's now blocked me on Twitter, which is pretty cool. Um, and he's now the chief of police in Houston. I guess he like transferred schools or some shit. <laughs> but um, I, I was talking to him about. Uh, uh, the drunk driving thing because um, uh, what the fuck was I about to say? I just had a brain fart and forgot what the hell I was talking about. That's a capitalism. Well, I mean, I, I'll say this: like uh, they set everything up in this country is like set up as like 
it's not about reward it's about punishment yeah so like if you're drinking and you're out and there's no buses or anything it's still your responsibility to get home and you can't be outside and they will punish you instead of like making it so you can get home it's the same sort of thing with the war on drugs it's like you have a disease right. that you go to jail for <laughs> well, yeah i mean <laughs> why well, we started the show one of my biggest issues we had those red light cameras and i'm like this is not service to anybody. We're all chipping in on this, and you're buying something to tax us. You should be paying attention when the cars are coming. Uh, make it green for me, and don't make me sit at this fucking light and idle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? You should just let be letting it smooth traffic go through. Instead, it's a revenue stream. Yeah, and it's like a revenue stream. Like in, in Texas, the thing I was talking about with the fucking Acevedo is like, I, this is just... You know, this is a, a state where you brag about having these low taxes and, oh, we don't have the tyranny of the fucking government taxing you and everything. But this is just weirder. It's like a lottery system for how to pull <laughs> 10 grand out of somebody every once in a while. Yeah. And everyone has it hanging over their head all the time. Like, oh, I might just get fucked because, like, you know, everyone drinks and there's no alternative for getting around. Yeah, they're anti-drug as fuck. You know, you have to drink and then you have to drive home from the bar and you better be good at it or you have to pay the fine. <laughs> yeah. You lose well, the game. <laughs> you use the drunk driving game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like, and and they're not like loosening it up at all. I, I, I always think about like, in Columbus, we have a bunch of, parking meters there it's just separate parking meters all over the city and i know that they serve a purpose right they they make it so people have to move so that people other people can park you can't just park somewhere all day or people would just leave their cars places i get that yeah but i also at times have driven to parts of the city where nobody is parked and I feel like there's the technology to just turn the parking meters off for that time right. because they're not necessary. They're not serving a purpose, but they still want you to throw money in that thing. What do you think about those scooters? Have you seen those fuckers? We have them. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, in Columbus, they're, it's against the law to ride them on a the sidewalk. Unfortunately, the way that things work is that nobody knows it's against the law. So the police are now going to have to go out and ticket people right. so that people learn that it's against the law. I've Which is what they do to the college a lot. The the cops, every year me and Brett get a story about on Ohio State campus, the police busting, writing tickets for jaywalking. And like they just go out there and wait for these kids to jaywalk, these 18-year-olds that just moved to the city. They wait for them to jaywalk and they write tickets. And I think that's going to be what happens. They're going to write tickets for people. Yeah. And, like kids are insane on those things. Like the twelve-year-olds that are like whipping them down hills and stuff. Like they're that. a fucked-up situation because like you're technically supposed to ride them in the street, but like no one driving knows how to interact with a fucking <laughs> scooter flying by next to them, and they're like terrifying because you're you know that. And they have like weird things where like when you get onto like a lime scooter or whatever, it says you're wearing your helmet, right? Yes, and say, yes, yes, I am. And <laughs> sure, who the fuck is walking around with a helmet? <laughs> yep. You're 18, right? You're wearing a helmet. You have a driver's license, right? And it's like I've seen uh, when the Chapo guys were in town, we were telling them it's, that yeah, it's like uh, internet pornography or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're an adult, right? But you'd be walking down the sidewalk in in, in Columbus. It, th this is one thing I love about New York is that. Nobody rides bikes on the sidewalk and nobody rides 
scooters on the sidewalk because when you're walking down the sidewalk in Columbus, there's always some idiot idling on one of those scooters behind you. And I complained about them. I saw a broken one on the street, right? Yeah. And I tweeted, oh, you always love to see this. Like as a joke, it was just kind of a broken thing in the street joke. It was, I don't, I'm not like totally against the scooters. <laughs> I'm a little I, conflicted. I know it's that uh, there's like a subreddit of people just like smashing them and setting them on fire yeah. and shit. That is very cool. But also, I mean, I did use them to get around when right. I was traveling. Well, they they feel- reduce car rides for sure. The yeah. data's there. And I mean, they are cool as fuck. I liked it. I liked, yeah. Like, me and my wife had the best night ever. We went and got food, walked to a venue, saw a fucking concert, and rode scooters home in the middle of the night. Like, Wasted off our ass. It was yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, they're it's like one of those fun. indie movies. <laughs> and when you're against very it, twee. <laughs> <laughs> when you're against it, and you're especially from the left, if you're against those things from the left, you are definitely the no, the the fun police. You yeah, are like yeah, yeah. people love these. Well, they're always, always, always in use. You in Columbus, they're everywhere. You're the Unabomber at that yeah. point. Well, <laughs> yeah, we had some. We had the opposite reaction. Somebody posted like three thousand murder machines every day take a life, and it's just like cars crashed into everything. <laughs> they're like pissed that we're focusing on the scooters. You know? <laughs> yeah, I had that too. I got yelled at because they reduce emissions. Like they were like, oh, so now there's a thing that reduces emissions. And I just want to respond like, you know what? If you can ride one of those scooters, if you're like fit enough to ride one of those scooters, you can also walk a half mile. (laughs) But I mean, I don't want to be the guy that takes the scooters away. I don't want to be the guy that's like lobbying the city to take the scooters away. No one wants to be the guy that takes the scooters away. (laughs) Come on, guys. Get the toys together. If this is fucking done, you ruined it. You fucked it up. Halloween is canceled and, and people think they're fucking immortal and they have no idea how that stuff works and they're just like i guess i'll just crank the accelerator and i can probably go over this pothole and then they break their fucking arm and shit you know yeah. it really they need to do a better job educating people and for me just because i love creating problems uh the, what i don't like about them is that they seem like they're an answer for public transportation but it's them making money off of us and it's not actually provided and it's not of a quality service you know you know yeah. and, and we're at the whim we had we had a really cool thing in town called zip car which was amazing you could just grab a fucking one of those smart cars yeah. and drive wherever around town i used it all the time it was like our second car and then they're just like we're leaving we're leaving town now i'm like yeah. Okay, why, do I have to buy another fucking car or something? You know, <laughs> we don't do this anymore. Sorry, and that's what's going to happen with the scooters eventually, and that's what's going to happen with the 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 line bikes or, or city bikes here. Like all that stuff is not going to be there. You know, <laughs> at some point, the company could go out of business. All of those tech companies are operating on a weird. Maybe it isn't making money thing, you know? Yeah. The, the fact that they're all, like, obviously from these weird, ambiguous, like, tech companies leaves them in this space where, you know, if this was a, a thing that the government, like your local city government made, and then it was a, a, a run by the fucking city, you would have, like, a guarantee this is always going to be here. But, like, the these, like... These weird tech companies, like, I, I also work for, like, a to make money, I do, like, an app, like, an Uber-ish kind of thing that I've just, I like, did Lyft for a while, like, so. Gig stuff? Yeah, I deliver food on my bike, and so there's oh, okay. an app, uh, I won't even say it on the podcast, but <laughs> one of them, uh, just to keep myself from getting whatever, everything everything on this podcast is satire, by the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it sucks because you know, uh, well, I'm working for a big, evil, neoliberal tech company, and, you know, how much ability do you have to ethically choose where you work or whatever? 
whatever. But it's also, it fucking works for me. It's really convenient because I need to be able to, like, do podcasts whenever and do stand-up whenever and stuff. So, like, having a schedule, like, fucking sucks. And in the same way, these, these uh, you know, car-to-goes and zip cars and fucking lime scooters and stuff, they've figured out a way to make them really appealing to us and make them function. But then... Yeah, there's just this big question mark hanging over it the whole time of like, all right, uh, who's getting fucked here? Is this eventually going to screw everything up really bad? Are they just going to leave town and then fuck (laughs) me over? I don't know, you know? I did Lyft in the period before the Patreon was making enough money for me to live, and uh, I wasn't working a real job. Like, in the period where we needed to... um, where, Where we needed more time to do Street Fight, but we didn't have... We couldn't work a real schedule because we wanted a tour and shit. Yeah. Uh, I did Lyft for a while, and uh, I felt... I didn't feel good about working for that company, but I also felt like, you know, when I was in my 20s, there was nothing... Like, I would have just had to go get a a job with a real schedule. So part of me... Like loves that this thing exists, but I hate the independent contractor. I hate that. I think they should take your take my taxes out. I don't 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 make me responsible for figuring out how to do my taxes at the end of the year and then finding out I owe you three thousand dollars or something. There's got to be some way to solve the the weird fallout like uh, tacky independent contracty part of that equation. Because if like you know. A perfect society there like the, there would be like a thing where you could just go oh, I just, I'm just, I'm just gonna get up and go work you know yeah yeah, and yeah. make that money or whatever a lot of those are like people do if like it makes like the way that they paint it is it is great I'm gonna I'll go drive on the weekend make some extra money to go out with the boys or something instead you have people that are like paying $450 to lease a car yeah. and trying to make a certain amount each day spending 12 hours driving and then putting all that paying for insurance and ending up upside down on a car and it's fucked up because it's really the competition because Uber was at the very beginning very ludicrous for the drivers there were people that were making tons of money and it cost a lot of money to use the service and then they just kept undercutting each other and now it's gotten down to people are bringing home six and seven dollars an hour after taxes and everything else is taken into account and also when you're broke you don't do math you don't do your financial math the same way as when you have money yeah what you do like there's a better day right so what you do is you know i start my day off with really good math in my head and then by the time two beers in and it's fucking midnight or whatever i just start fudging it and just going like you know whatever <laughs> it's what is another seven dollar drink or something you know yeah well, and you all make it back you right know? <laughs> when i was driving i was like i need to make 150 dollars today yeah i just 150 dollars i make 150 dollars i'm done never factoring in you know, I just bought $40 worth of gas. I'm paying for insurance. Right. Wear and tear on my car. I just need this $150 yeah, to pay my electric bill. So if the number 150 is there, then I'm happy, <laughs> even though I'm getting totally ripped off. You yeah. Know? yeah, I did a mystery shopping, and that's another one that can be like easy breezy way to get free meals and all this other stuff. But they wrote people into some of these things that are taking, you know, if you're not, a pro- if you're not like a prolific writer, uh, people are spending hours and hours on this stuff making four or five under minimum wage you know spending all day driving around town trying to put these routes together and it takes an intent it takes up your whole fucking life you know 
Yeah, he was doing this. If it's, he, if, the, if it's only if you're only gigging, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I understand. Like you, it's easy. For, you said, like you said, for you to dip into there, but the people that are like now relying on it, and the more that we move to independent contractor status, the more precarious fucking working is getting. You know. Yeah. Well, I also wouldn't be able to do this like full time if I didn't. I just got lucky and have like the Patreon and shit like that. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, he he did that mystery shop thing is like if I, I look. So he started doing it. And I was like, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds great. It's better than Lyft. And then he started to explain it to me. And I was just like, I'm never going to. Because he was getting free groceries from Whole Foods. Yeah. And getting paid to buy the groceries from Whole Foods. Delivering pizzas was like that. Where, like, on its face, you're like, wow, I'm making, like, pretty good money. And I'll get all this free pizza. But then once you started factoring the wear and tear in your car and the fucking gas and the insurance and everything, you're like... Oh, I have to eat the. Fr- I have to steal pizza from yeah. the restaurant <laughs> in order to come out on top, like at all. And now I'm only eating fucking pizza. The saddest stories on our podcast are pizza guy stories. Like it always seems like when a pizza guy calls in to talk about their job. Uh, do you remember the guy that like? came back on his first day of work and they were like, well, you have to pay for the car you drove. Like, they made him drive their car, but then they told them that he had to pay to drive the car, so yeah. he ended up coming out in the end making like $3 an hour for I, I've, working. I've talked about this before. I think we talked about it, but I used to sell meat out of a truck, and you had to pay off the truck, like... <laughs> With the money you made in the first, well, 90% of the day. And if you got lucky, you made one sale. And that was the 20 bucks you got to take home or whatever. But it was fucking absurd. You're the meat man, Did though. You, you, like, pulled up to people at the gas station and shit? We, we drove around the fucking... Uh, well, we drove around everywhere. But most of the most of the sales you'd make were in the suburbs. And, uh, I mean, unfortunately, it was to senile old people who were like, meat out of a truck? That doesn't sound insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we used to have a Swenson's, man. Come to my house back in the day yeah guys, guys do drive around and and like you always see a guy in a white pickup truck with an ice chest on the back of it like one me. of those refrigerators and they'll pull up and be like you want some meat back when i was a cable guy my favorite thing was and this happened i was a cable guy for seven years and this probably happened a hundred times guys would pull up in a box truck and they would say, hey, we were supposed to install this surround sound system today, but the guy canceled the appointment on us, so will you want to buy it for $80? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my meat. Most of the time I'm at the gas station and some guy's like in a Ford Econa line and like slides it open he's like, hey man, I got a good deal on steaks. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> I just boosted them. In college though, um, I, was, I was a sociology major and I like... Uh, I focused on deviance and they talked about how like bootleg shoes, stolen shoes and steak and and those things bootleg are like shoes never worn. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they said that those uh, like they talked about how that needs to exist because there are a lot of people who would never get to have like a good meal because they can never afford a steak. So a guy popping into town it like they said that like it makes people feel better that they're able to give their kids Jordans, even if they were $40 fake Jordans, yeah. you know, and, and like it made me it. I don't know. It made me pro stealing. College made me very pro, like just fucking steal. Oh, absolutely. Sell it for the cheapest amount of money to people who can't afford it. Because, like, some of the, like, you'll see on 
Fox News. There's that old that old Fox News graphic that's like ninety percent, ninety eight percent of poor people have a refrigerator, and they're like mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, a conservative fucking thing. Is just being mad that anyone who's poor has ever enjoyed life in any way, because in their ideology, it's. You've, beans and rice until you fucking pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all that shit but like i mean you're gonna fucking die of diabetes or some shit anyway because you were born poor like there's absolutely nothing wrong with um you know i think food for food stamps you should be able to buy fucking steaks and all this oh, shit. oh yeah everything they have some weird problem with that like that somehow ideologically uh you know contributes to the welfare state and their own laziness and shit and it's just fucking bullshit man it's maybe a waste of money but in also, also poor people enjoy shit like that way more than rich people. I know. Rich I people know. suck at being rich. I know. <laughs> I know. Give them an Xbox. Like, you think about when's the last time you went on a real vacation where you weren't doing comedy <laughs> or, or like where you weren't working and then think about where, when's the last time you would have went on vacation if you were just a person that works at McDonald's? Yeah. I got yelled at by that cap. So we did a video for Means TV that was about capitalism. That, and That's how a it capitalism, came, yeah. It runs your life. And this person responded to me and said, you know, maybe if you would get better skills, you <laughs> would have a better life. And I said, well, I, I'm going to tell you right now that what I do is maybe the easiest thing in the world and I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. And when I was a roof I was making nine fifty an hour, and they were like, "Well, when you were a roofer, you were doing unskilled labor." And I was like, "I'd like to see you fucking be a roofer." It's <laughs> one of the most dangerous jobs. It's and this son of a bitch said he put uh, shingles on a shed before. So he knows <laughs> what roofing's like. I was doing industrial rubber roofing. <laughs> yeah, I was on top of fucking skyscrapers, putting rubber down on them, oh, and it God. was just like this idea that only unskilled people are making shitty money is bullshit because laborers on job sites in most places are contractors that are making $9 an hour or 11 now, probably. I used to want to go back to college because I dropped out. And as soon as I figured that out, I was like, oh, this, that's, this is the biggest scam ever. And I'm never doing that because like... I mean, you'll meet people with, like, PhDs that are fucking not making any money at all either in this city. And you go, well, what the fuck was the point of that? Oh, this this game show that we're all fucking involved in, this this system that was supposed to make sense where the more education you get, the more money you make. It doesn't even fucking work, so yeah. fuck that, you know? Um, I just remembered something that I was talking about earlier when I was like, why the fuck was I talking about Acevedo? Uh, it was because the, the answer he gave me when we were talking, we were beefing about this bus system thing is I remember this it always stuck in my head is he, he said, well, the bus system in Austin, it's run by a private company, so there's nothing we can do about it. And I was like, that is so obviously a fucking scam. <laughs> This should be, first of all, it should be publicly funded, but also, it should be publicly funded, but that's also such a fucking, you obviously made a backdoor deal with this bus company. Right, and you could do something about it. You're the government. You have all the guns. You can do something about anything if you would like to. You could hire another bus company, do all <laughs> yeah. this fucking shit. That guy fucking sucks. That Chicago thing, though, if you remember, like, a few years, I, I don't, it was when we first started doing Street Fight, but they signed some deal with a parking company <laughs> that was, like, a 50-year deal for them to run the parking 
parking in meters in yeah, Chicago, yeah, yeah. and it's like a fifty-year deal. <laughs> it's like in Columbus on Ohio State campus, it's all half a century. <laughs> <laughs> on Ohio State campus, it's all a private parking company called Campus Park, and they're just making a fucking shitload of money off of people that are going sixty-five thousand dollars in debt to go to school to maybe maybe have the opportunity to be an engineer or like because most people are going to school for like bullshit like yeah. business Bus business is like business is total that's a bullshit that's a capitalism yeah but oh well uh, we'll jump right back in here because we're talking about touring a little bit and uh Ooh, i wanted to can i Go I ahead. wanted to thank you first for the glass of New York City tap water. Oh, finest I, in the world. I, I first learned about it from John Stossel when he went in the subway and tricked people into getting on camera and failing a test to tell, like, against, like, uh, Evian water and oh, all yeah, that. Like a Pepsi challenge. Yeah, tell them they're fucking stupid and how great the tap water <laughs> is. So, thank you. Yeah, a lot of people brag about it here and then don't drink it, which I find odd. I'm uh, scared of the cloudiness. It's not as cloudy as, as uh, at home. I think that's bubbles, uh, I think. Yeah, it looks like bubbles. <laughs> I, I, listen, I've been drinking that shit in front of you for five years, and I'm kind of healthy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I'm sure one glass will, will probably be fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, for anyone listening who, uh, who came out to the shows this last weekend in the, in the South where I was, uh, thanks for coming out. I had a couple of interesting things happen. Um, I just opened for Pat and Oswald in Greenville yeah, in South Carolina. It was fucking tight, but, uh, um, we get to uh, interview him in a week too. Oh, nice. He's going to be on the show. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was crazy fucking emailing with him. I was just like, tr do not blow this. Do not blow this. <laughs> yeah. Me and him talked a little bit and I think we were, we made really good. Like, I think he liked me a lot, but I didn't bother him because I'm like, oh my God, you're Patton Oswalt, yeah. you know? And all these people were like, ask him if he can do my show and ask him to do my, I talked to him for all of 10 minutes, but, um, but I think we're nah, maybe knock on wood going to work together again. So I'm going to try to get him on here at some point, but he's very good on podcasts. So yeah. that's fucking tight. He messaged Will and asked him if he could get him on street fight. Yeah. Hell yeah. And we were like, yeah. Like, and then like we had made fun of him in the past online. Like we were real mean to him for a period of time and he remembered us. Yeah. And Brett he was like, "Oh, I deserved it." And it was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, I mean, that's the sign of like a healthy smart person if they're like able to just take that. Like Yeah, and it was an I I was like for, I was uh upfront about it, but like in a in a, you know, having fun fashion and he he was like you know no problem i've learned a lot since then i was just like this guy fucking rules you know yeah well yeah. and it's like uh you change your mind and it's i think he understands i if 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 i have a read on him that's right is like he understands small guys going after the, the big guy he's the yeah, big guy yeah. and it just is a thing it's like a classic kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh you know i've watched a lot of my friends like get bigger in comedy and then not be able to handle the fact that like sometimes someone's gonna like you know comment some shitty shit on you or make fun of you or something and like you know you can do what a lot of people do and like just go like I don't read the comments or whatever but like you know, some self-reflection doesn't hurt I I listen I get dragged a lot on like you know come town and like everywhere and I'm not insane i know i've said some dumb shit on the internet <laughs> uh, this is a shotgun blast approach to the internet I'm, yeah. I'm uploading a lot of shit onto here so like i ain't worried about it you know uh i think that's a that's very cool of him you know oh yeah i i i, I it's cool as hell i mean for me it's like 
I'm sure there's going to be a podcast someday that takes shots at us because yeah. they consider us like up there and I'm like fine do it I, I mean we deserve it I guess like nobody's off limits the the weird thing about comedy to me before I started kind of doing it was that there was like this such a professional courtesy where you never really talked about other people no matter what like you don't see you don't hear Patton like making fun of Larry the Cable Guy even though Patton probably doesn't love Larry the Cable Guy yeah, you know yeah. and it's just like that I I, I, I kind of came up listening to Shock Jock Radio and Opie and Anthony and they, they would just you know kind of talk about comedy and make fun of comics and that was always my favorite thing I always loved like the uh, Tough Crowd that show yeah. All the oh yeah guys. I was huge into that yeah and it's weird because you take that exact same type of guys fucking with each other in a way where they mostly like each other but they're also critiquing each other and if you just apply that to the abstract nature of like Twitter or something then people are like how dare you yeah. but <laughs> those are conversations you would totally have with like people you respect you know yeah I mean I can tell a difference like there's some people that say shit that is like Okay, you've been letting that boil over or boil inside of you for six months, and now you're trying to fucking hurt my feelings. And then there's somebody that's like taking the piss out of you, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but these shows in uh in the South were really interesting because um, I mean I'm from Texas, but that's a little bit of a different beast than like the South South, like South Carolina and shit. And uh, I had never been to Greenville and um, I was also like kind of uh, I've been going kind of hard since I left for tour like a few months ago and, and then you know all this crazy shit happened I got back in town I wasn't sleeping much or whatever so I was like really running on fumes but there were great shows and I remember I went up to Patton right before I went on and I was like, hey, I'm putting a set list together. I've got this fucking, this thing about killing cops. It's like my closer. It's the ice thing or whatever. You know, what do you think of that? We're in the South. I don't want to polarize the show. And he was cool. He was like, fucking do it. You know, he, yeah. like to his credit. And it was great. And it went over really great. But something I didn't realize is I guess I said the word goddamn when I was on stage in South Carolina, which is like worse than yeah. cop killing shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, really fucked up. Apparently, apparently they're, you know, they're really like anti blasphemy or whatever. <laughs> a, a which this show is called pod. Da damn. You know, like it's a <laughs> casually, uh, you know, said thing or whatever, but it was fucking weird. And, um, something kind of funny happened after the show, which is these two people came up to, uh, to us and, um, they, uh, I had tweeted that I was looking for a bar to hang out at and I just want to unwind after the show and so this guy and this woman come up and they go hey the woman's like you should uh, you should come drink at my bar I work at a bar I saw you tweet about it I'll buy you some drinks whatever and so the the woman is um, pretty cool and she's sort of doing this thing where like you know because you have all these like podcasty like anonymous fans a lot of times people will come up to you and they'll start talking to you as if like you already know each other yeah and you don't want to be rude so you're like Oh yeah, how's it going? But in your head, you're like, where the fuck do I know this person from again? You know? Yeah. And so we're like, we're going to her bar, and she's buying shots. And after a while, I start thinking about it, and I start going like, where the? F Wait a minute, where do I? I don't know you. And so I ask her like, where did? So where did? Where do we know each other from again exactly? And she goes, oh, I saw you open for Doug Stanhope in Columbus, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was sitting there, and then she was buying more drinks, and a couple couple rounds later, I was like, Wait a minute. I don't think I ever opened up for Doug Stanhope in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, you did. Like, we hung out. And like, I know who you are. And I was like, all right. And so I had a few more drinks. I was like, wait a minute. 
I've never been to Columbus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm not this person. It just insisted I was. I was like, whatever. Fine, I'm this person. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I get that. I get a lot of people who, who come up after the show and are like, remember the time I DM'd you about having a tough time at work and you said, uh, just hold on and and whatever I say, usually. Yeah. Like a, a weird thing that happens with me and Brett, and I don't know if this happens with you, is that people apologize for their jobs all the time yeah, in, in totally. a really weird way where they come up to you and they're like, oh, I'm a... Uh, I'm a corporate lawyer. Sorry. I, I apologize for being a corporate lawyer. I feel bad about it. I'm going to try to get a job like as a union organizer working for the DSA. And you're like, not everybody can like be a union organizer. <laughs> so I don't know what, to, I'm not mad at you for having a job. Yeah, you know, yeah. this whole thing is like everybody's hands, you know, everybody's hands are dirty in this thing. I was a cable guy. I don't think that's a particularly like valorous job to have. It was, you know, a lot of times going into filthy houses and hooking up TV so that people can watch Fox News and ignore their kids. Right. So, like, all the jobs are kind of bad, but they'll apologize for their jobs and then come up to you and apologize to you again live, but then thank you for stuff. And you're like, I, everybody it seems like every single person that listens to our show has DM'd me once and said, like, I feel like my job is, is killing me. And I'm like, yeah, it is. They all are. That's part yeah. of the thing. Even this job is killing me. You know? um, at our famous 420 show where Matt Chrisman passed out. Do you ever see that picture? Uh, that sounds familiar. He's okay. sleeping on stage while we're performing. We did a, we did a, to do that. We did a 420 show. We met up at this, like, maker space. <clears throat> and... People, it was just blunt after blunt after blunt, and we then go to do the show. He gets tired. He passes out on the stage, wakes up, does his part. We finish the show. This guy walks up to me, and he's like, hey, man, I'm on mushrooms right now, and this is about to get really weird, but I brought some for you. <laughs> and then he like puts them in my hands. I fucking eat them. And oh, wait, I remember this. Yeah. Then this guy is like, uh, hey, uh, he's like, hey, come back to my place, man. I got a cool place. We have booze, everything, whatever you want. We go uh, to, I bring Matt with me. Matt's super hammered. I'm start shrooming. We go to this awful rich kid's house. Like he has like a $3,000 bong. He has the nicest record player I've ever seen in my life. Um, and his two buddies are like just assholes. And this, this guy's getting like drunker and drunker and just not even saying shit. He's just like, yeah, that's like fucking blue stone. He would just say shit like that. And they would be like, <laughs> and I'm like, does anybody else not? I'm like, am I not hearing him? I can't figure out what's going on. One, and then one of his buddies says to me, uh, hey, you know, uh, it's weird in the Facebook comments, the way that like when a story comes up, immediately people are like, we should kill these people or we should harm them and punish them. Do, do you think it would be like benefit society if like someone were to like secretly like kill those people? <laughs> and then Matt was like, that is a fascistic idea. <laughs> like, no, any thoughts like that? He woke up taking like, it uh, and he just starts going on and on and on and just rants and raves. And I'm fucking like, my eyes are like bleeding out of my fucking head. <laughs> and there's like, this like someone hit him with the Pulp Fiction needle in his chest. <laughs> yeah. And he wakes back up. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this rich guy, it's like, and the rich guy has like this curly fucking like uh, Michael Bolton like looking hair yeah and he's just like dancing with himself he's so fucking wasted and i was like i don't know how i fucking got here at all <laughs> but it was a good show yeah well the, the other thing that happened in this uh, this weird bar at greenville was it so the, the guy that was part of this equation was um he wasn't drinking he was real straight lace and uh i overheard him 
ta- talking a little bit about some campaign he's working on. So I started talking to him, and it turns out he work- he's working on uh, Pete Buttigieg's campaign. Oh. And uh, I didn't really, because these people didn't know who I was, clearly, I didn't really divulge, you know, my never, political Never, never, never. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I don't. Because I wanted to hear <laughs> yep. what the fuck <laughs> I got to soak on. some shit up here. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was, uh, it was interesting because, like, I was, I was trying to get some information out of him. And after a while, I realized, hey, you know, this guy's kind of low level. I don't think he has a whole lot going on. But he started talking about um, working, how he worked for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, he's somehow we started talking about what they eat. Like, he worked for all these different candidates. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, Buttigieg, he loves like um, donuts or something. He's got to have donuts. And, uh, and then he's talking about Hillary Clinton. He's like, that hot sauce thing, she really keeps hot sauce in her bag. But the thing that no one knows about is that she eats three packs of those Haribo gummy bears a day. <laughs> she just, She's all gummy. His job was to just constantly provide her with those Haribo bags. Oh, good. <laughs> like an assortment or I wonder if it was a certain flavor. Uh, I, I think that it was a mixed bag, but it would, I mean, I wouldn't put it past like someone as, as rich and fucking uh, lizard brain, uh, uh, lizard, you know, person-ish as a Clinton to be like, only the clear gummy bears, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. pick them apart. You yeah. know? They're doing that weird tour I saw where the like VIP <laughs> meet and greet tickets are $2,000. Insane Clinton posse tour. Yeah. It, <laughs> like Ben Stiller is, is hosting one of the nights and it's like, what happens to famous guys that that like that's what they want to do <laughs> who goes to that i know i know i i there's so many uh everybody can tour now like all bets are off <laughs> when it comes to touring now the podcasts are doing it that they like people will just show up to watch like people showed up last night to watch us watch tv so yeah. <laughs> i watched a whole you know bunch- why that is because you can't sell records anymore so the clintons they had to get out of the studio and start actually <laughs> playing festivals nice well, diy tour that yeah. festival matt and will went to on on uh, yeah. acid is one of the weirdest things like it was just all like <laughs> thought leaders i took my daughter to a concert right for uh youtube stars uh, influencers on YouTube, and it was these teenage kids that she has been list- She has been watching their videos since she was like five years, seven years old, something sure. like that. And uh, we go to this concert, and uh, it's a constantly rotating. It's not rotating. It is like fifteen teenagers, and each one comes out and lip syncs one song, and then walks off stage, and then another sixty-five dollars a ticket to see teenagers lip sync on stage, like the hits of the day. Wow. <laughs> Nothing makes me feel older. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, having a 14 year old daughter has definitely like I, I, I mentioned something about Rolling Stone uh, <laughs> that somebody's pitching a story about us to Rolling Stone. And my daughter was like, oh, my God, my parents, my kids, parent, my friends, parents read that magazine. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> like getting in front of a young audience, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, we're going to die. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they're in charge, I, 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 uh, I don't remember what we were watch. We were watching something, and she didn't like. Oh, we were we went camping. It, we stayed in a cabin in the middle of Kentucky. No internet service, only cable, and uh, MTV was on, and it was MTV '90s. So it was showing videos from like the late '90s where they really had huge budgets yeah. for videos. They would be like jet ski chases and shit uh-huh. in them, and briefcases. And my daughter and my niece were fucking 
making fun of them like crazy. They were like, what is this? Why is this happening? And I'm just like, you watch like white girls sitting in a computer chair and talking to the camera while they eat a cheeseburger and you're making fun of this? <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's, they guess because everything is subjective, they're right and we're wrong. I just don't understand it. <laughs> right, but, and also like, for me, people were when people went off about YouTube being this horrible thing for kids there for a while, I kind of felt like me, you, and Brett grew up watching things made for us by cynical adults that were just trying to sell us toys. Totally. And these kids are at least watching stuff made by other kids their age. I mean, their parents are stage parents and they're fucking weirdos. Yeah. But like I took my daughter to meet this girl that was 12 years old that does YouTube vlogs at a mall in Columbus and she was just sitting there and there was just this line of little girls holding presents in their hands to give to this little girl and it was this really weird experience for me but then I remembered hey when I was 22 years old I stood in a line for two hours at a media play to meet ICP so like I guess it's not really that different yeah I mean I went to the Vans Warped Tour and all that bullshit <laughs> yeah. and like Several years. No one, no one can throw stones in this situation at all. It's just fucking weird to look at. And entertainment and music has gotten is, is very different for them than it is for us because it's so uh, ad, I, I, atomized might be the right word that like I, I talk about this on, on the on the show a lot, but there's no monoculture anymore. Yes, right. So yeah. because there's no fucking thing that everyone at the same, at the high school all is into. You know, the last of that was probably like. Beyonce and Jay Z or something like right. that. Now it's you go out. It's like Netflix. You go out and you pick what you're gonna fucking consume or whatever. So because of that, there's not really like it's just not consumed the same way. And so it's baffling to us to look yeah. at. And go, what are you kids listening to? And they spit back something that you've never heard of. But it's yeah. like no one's ever heard of it. It's I mean, this weird shit they found on the internet. I'm trying to get tickets for this concert that's going to be here, and then I think she's playing a few other places that are kind of closer to Columbus for somebody named Billie Eilish. That is. I heard that name recently. Those shows are sold out, and you can't get tickets for them. And and you can go to StubHub, and they're like seven hundred dollars for the tickets. And it's like no adult that I've ever talked to has ever heard any of her music, dude. I like any. When someone mentioned rattles off a name like that, like a pop star these days, I've never heard of them. I look up their Twitter, they have eight million followers, yeah. and I'm like, how the fuck has this never come into my fucking <laughs> worldview? Um, even like before this was the case, a few years ago, I was just uh, I was in DMs with Kitty Pride, who's like yeah. a, a fucking you know SoundCloudish like pop star rapper or whatever. But I just never fucking listened to this person, so I didn't know who I was talking to. I thought it was some <laughs> chick that just wanted to fucking hang out with me <laughs> that I exclusively was using Twitter drunk at the time. So I just had this long back and forth with this person. I didn't realize it was like mega famous. Yeah. <laughs> And I was talking to her, I was like drunk, and I was like, we should write a book together. And like, <laughs> and I had this weird project I wanted to start with her. And eventually she unfollowed me. And then when I went to go look at, oh, why'd she unfollow me? I was like, why do you have like millions of followers? Yeah. What does the M mean? I mean, what's cool about that though is, is that like no matter how famous any of us get, we never have to deal with like that George Clooney thing, you know? Yeah. Like there's nobody that's gonna get that famous ever again an argument could be made that that was unnatural and actually this is probably way better you know <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. no, no one should have to be that famous and 
you know, there should just be a lot more famous people who are only kind of famous yes. than, than we, you know. Yeah, and the way that that stuff spreads is like because uh, someone on SoundCloud puts up a song, they think it's funny or they like it or it slaps, and then they send it to their friend, and then it becomes like a bonding thing. It's not like it was broadcasted from high. You know, you're not, you're not consuming in that way anymore. Uh so it's yeah, it has changed. I mean, a lot. none of us are radio guys, right? Like, if if podcasting didn't exist, if this if this world didn't exist, none of us would be on the radio, or maybe you yeah. know, maybe a few of us would have made it on the radio. But I, I don't think any of the shows that are are relatively successful in this space would have ever existed well, before now. Just in first and foremost, politically, we probably wouldn't be able to be on the radio, but right. also like stylistically and you know all these other elements are part of the reason that like, yeah, there's a reason that we are on a medium that is the, an alternative to the fucking radio. Yeah, and know? we're allowed to break laws and sh- we're allowed to... Like we're just the, here actively encouraging people to steal. You yeah. probably can't do that on the fucking radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, we. I would love to. I. I, I would have loved to. I, I mean, when Street Fight started, because it was eight years ago, and nobody knew. That, I don't think anybody knew podcasts were going to get it this big in 2011. And uh, my goal was radio. My goal was like, okay, if we can get enough listeners on the podcast. Maybe we can get the local hard rocker alternative station to hire us yeah. to do a shift. And uh, now, if the local hard rocker alternative station called us to hire us, I'd tell them to fuck off. Dude, I feel the same way about TV. <laughs> like, when I started doing stand-up, I was like, I want a fucking half-hour special or, like, go on Conan or something. And now I'm like, that shit actually kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Every comic I know that's had one of those things is a garbage man and, like, isn't making any money off of it. Racine, Mike Racine is a good example of this. He has a Comedy Central Presents. And then he had to go back to being a garbage man like the next day after that shit happened and didn't make his career. But now he's touring and he's touring because he's on Come Town sometimes and he's got like fans and shit from that. So like all that shit is just sinking into the tar pits anyway. Yeah. So, you know, good riddance or whatever. Yeah, none of that stuff. I mean, it, I literally only want to go on Conan so I can yell at my dad about it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a few things that are like, uh, I want my dad like I I have like so much uh what what is it like animosity towards angst he still has he still has forty oh it never goes away <laughs> and uh, I want to like get yeah don't ever be encouraged that this is gonna go away but I really want to be the all of this drive that I have is basically to prove to my dad that I could I'm good at this and can do this because he always told me my dad was very much like. I was like, I want to be in a rock band when I grow up. And he was like, maybe you should uh, maybe you should get a job as like a sound engineer. That's a more practical job. <laughs> but I'm like, it's that's not being in a rock band. That's like hanging around rock bands and going to a real job. He, he would always like kind of try to push me to a thing. And then finally one day I just said, well, I, if I'm good at it, then if I'm the if I'm great at what I do, then it will happen for me and started to work. You know, I don't think I'm great at what I do, but I'm, I'm good at it. And I started to work towards it. So like getting on, I fucking love you guys. Cause you just say the opposite of all the people I hate. You're supposed to doubt yourself like this. That's how you get better at this shit. But you get on, if I, if I could get, if me and Brett could get on TV and my dad would have to sit and watch me on TV, I would be thrilled. I had also a te- I do this because of a teacher in ninth grade. 
who drew bars over my picture in my yearbook and said <laughs> I was going to spend my life, my adult life in prison. That's yeah. the two people that like, please, Mr. Schwindeman, see me on Jimmy Fallon or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those two. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I mean, I was raised by two people that hate themselves. They taught me properly how to do that. So going back even to like the criticism stuff, I still haven't had someone say something that like incinerates or actually fucking hurts me worse than any criticism I've ever. I've ever levied on myself and just yeah. like thinking about what I'm doing and shit. You His, know, the yeah. funniest thing to me is that we finally got covered in the alt weekly and in, in Columbus, Columbus alive is the only one left. Right. And, and we finally, we worked our fucking asses off and, and Brett was sending off emails and we did this, we did this interview. We had a big two page spread and they took pictures of us and everything inside a dumpster inside of a dumpster. Nice. And Brett sent it to his mom and she got mad at him because he said she was a Denny's waitress. <laughs> when I said I was, my mom was a Denny's waitress when I was born. And she's like, I work at Verizon Wireless. Someone's a business manager. Someone's <laughs> thing. Better? I was like, yeah. I, I, I was like, but you were when I was born a waitress. Yeah. And I was, and yeah. It was, it was. I was like trying to explain like, it. That is a negative. That's a slight to you. But what you don't understand about what I'm doing is that we support and lift those people up and recognize them. You know, yeah. uh, as valid. You know, jobs worthy of way more than what you fucking had to do. You my, know, I've known some Denny's waitresses in my day, and they are. The hardest working motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, it takes a lot. And the, pe the women that I wouldn't get in a fight with. Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I wouldn't fight Brett's mom. My <laughs> mom got fired from Denny's one time because someone left her change and she ran outside and threw it at their car. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it really is like, it, I, I uh, think. Oh, when you, when you talk to Pat and you got to ask him about Denny's, I don't want to divulge too much. <laughs> okay. But he's got some thoughts right now. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, like, it just, if you don't have somebody that told you you couldn't do what you're doing i think like or that just like it never saw it as a possibility i think th that one thing that we have in common is you grew up in texas we grew up in ohio and you know we don't never this was never a possibility this yeah. is just not something that happens to people in in columbus ohio like the most i'm trying to th somebody asked me who the most famous person from columbus ohio is <laughs> and i'm like i can't even fi uh eric clapton lives there so that is probably the most famous person there. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever come from there. No new, The new bomb Turks. The new bomb Turks. <laughs> but right. there's no comedians. There's no, like, there's no, see, there's like no ladder to this there. Yeah. Where here, there, it, I mean, you know famous people. People just know them. Yeah, our, it was so fucked up because everybody is like fighting at these college bars to do these awful mics. And the goal is to go to the fucking mall where the comedy, what it, Funny Bone is at. There's a place called the Funny Bone at the mall, and that's like the biggest spot in town. Yeah. And it's just like, I, that was not a ladder I wanted to fucking climb <laughs> at all. <laughs> the, the pursuit of fame, especially in comedy where it's very like individual, you're not a band, you're like one person, can really get, it can put you off the deep end, and you have to pull the lens back sometimes and look at that situation and go, am I really assigning this much value to a job that pays cheese sticks in a fucking mall <laughs> yeah, yeah. that will suck and probably won't even be fun to do. Like, why am I you know, obsessing over that, you know? Brett, saying, Brett said one day, we were talking about, you know, we were starting to work on thinking about doing live shows when he moved back to Columbus. And uh, 
we were talking about, you know, we, we could do this, we could do this. And I was like, you know, maybe one day we could do, uh, do the funny bone. And Brett was like, I will never <laughs> yeah. stand on a stage with a buckle with the other side of the wall is the buckle. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably a good policy. $14 water down drinks and shit. Get the, we, the best thing about what we're doing is that we can get this shit so big that we could play the fucking club across the street. That's actually fun to hang out in. Yeah. Right. And not have to work in that dying system of like, you know, road comedy right. circuit. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know this for a fact, but people have told me that for the, at least the funny bone in Columbus, in order to get a headlining gig there as a Columbus comedian, you have to do no, your to set. get into the to get into the lottery, to get into the competition, to get into the competition. Yeah. You have to do your set to two people that don't laugh at anything. Yeah. And you just have to stand on stage and like it's like. Fuck, who the fuck are these people? Fuck you, you know what I mean? I mean, to fucking lift a term from Chapo, they're small business tyrants. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they're also they're a special breed of them, which are coked out and still living in the 80s in their fucking heads and, you know, booking Dice Man when he comes through town and shit and whatever the modern equivalent of it, him is. And so, like, yeah, I mean, fuck them. Like, we yeah. can circumvent them or whatever. Yeah, we should. I think we should circ. I think that we should build our own circuit and cut them out of the circuit. I, I think it's possible now. I think there's enough. When we first started touring, it was hard to find clubs that did podcasts, live podcasts. Yeah. But it's becoming a lot easier to do that. And I think we should, I wanna cut them. I wanna cut all the traditional people that made money off of this out. Well, it's kind of been happening for the last 10 years or so. And like, I find myself lucky enough to know some of the people that are really grinding that shit out and wearing the trenches down that we can just follow in and not really have to do that work. But like, the way I've looked at it with comedy for a long time is that like, you know, there was this just, traditional comedy club path for a long time and you were just kind of fucked if you couldn't get into it and there was no internet and there wasn't communication um, but if you look at like the way indie rock was set up in the 80s as a response to exactly that sort of problem in music it just took comedy is just a more niche thing so it took another couple generations for people to look at it and especially people that also are into music to go oh we can pretty much apply this same principle mm. to fucking mm. Comedy. Yeah, it's just natural. I mean, we we were we didn't stay in stand up very long. It was so important for us, like going up and standing up in front of people and like doing horrible and having them not laugh or like in front of other comedians. All the shitty situations totally helped. But it got to a point where like we were on Twitter and he were like tweeting about how shitty this show is we are at is and then having a great time talking with other people online. It's like. These people love what we do already. They're eating it up. We should just be recording a fucking podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what are we doing sitting in this bar with all these guys that... I mean, I, I always say they hated us, me and Brett, but I, I don't really... I think in my heart, I really believe that they just like themselves. They don't yeah. hate anybody... And and like every comedy scene in the United States is basically just a group of friends that right. are booking each other on different shows. And if you're not in that group of friends, they don't write about you in the paper. They don't they because they run the paper. You know, in Columbus, the guy that is the editor of the Alt Weekly is a stand up comedian and he has a bunch of friends that are stand up comedians that all have like he has a side job too he works at he, he works at an insurance company but like he's a stand-up that writes about his friends that are stand-up that then book each other to do stand-up at these 
whatever these festivals are. I mean, there was a Columbus podcast festival two years in a row that never asked us to do it at wow. all. Like we didn't even have the chance to turn it down. They just didn't ask us to do it, and it felt no. What they did. The, they asked this year, the first but then they year, turned us down. The first year, we made a stink. The second year, they said, I would be remiss to make that mistake again. And then they made that. They never got back to me. Yeah, I they like, never tried to contact them. And they were like, I saw they hired some fucking, uh, what are those idiot brothers the called? The guys, McElroys. McElroys. I hired those fucking McElroys. McElroys? <laughs> you don't know about McElroys? Like They're the, like, they have like a billion podcasts. It's uh, like an inbred family of like degenerates that live together okay. in one big bed. <laughs> oh, and, like, a, uh, like a McPoyle situation? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what they are. And so, and I don't know, people love them. They've been podcasting for like a decade. Like, they, they predate us for sure. I mean, they are just everywhere. Maximum fun. They're maximum on that fun. maximum oh, fun. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And they, they hire these out-of-town guys. And it was just, it's like, what, like, what did we do to these people? Like, we're, there's a Colum best of Columbus thing that comes out every year and we don't even come in fifth we don't even get an honorable mention on these things and i'm like i god you know i'm not i don't have like a really big head but i sort of feel like we might be one of the bigger podcasts in columbus ohio i can say in confidence you're the only podcast i know from columbus ohio <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's like i had that we do fucking sold out shows in new york yeah. and they don't even care well yeah all right so if if you're in a like a a weird ideological bubble like that and people resent you it's probably because you're doing something like more genuine than they are and it <laughs> fucking bugs them there's an example of this is like um uh there's some bookers that are kind of old guard that uh run a lot of austin shit where i'm from and then also a lot of portland and there's a guy um matt bronger who's a comic out of portland who has a fucking hilarious career arc because he's so fucking funny and he's so good at what he does and he just has that he can't figure it out. He's fucking. I've heard him talk about it on podcasts and stuff, and just kind of word in the comedy scene is just like no one knows why his own paper would just never write about him. That's and weird. His own club will never book him, and he's like huge and he's great at what he does. But some people, I mean, it just gets in their fucking head. And I want to say, you know, it's to to be a, a, a fucking shitty pop psychologist about it for a second. It's, it's a jealous, you know. They they look at you and they go. You know, a oh, fuck. I wish I was doing that, and because it it challenges their identity, it probably offends them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the guy, right the guy Travis Howisher in Columbus, Ohio, he just is a Dave uh, Attell ripoff, and yeah. you know, Everybody does is. like a. <laughs> yeah, there certainly aren't any, any of those, <laughs> right? And but uh, so we've seen him like you know, uh, you know, in front of when back in the day when we were doing it, but. A kid came to our show and was like, I, I wrote, a, I was trying to get an article written about it since you guys are doing like your first live show ever and it's going to happen. And we had a Columbus a lot. Like we said, it was the other papers were focusing on it and he he squashed it. He said, he's no. like, I don't think anybody would be interested in that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it it's sucks. weird it, because it, it it's so stupid to feel the thing I that's weird about it is that I feel slighted by it. It bothers me inside my heart that I can't be like I want to be like the same size in my hometown that I am here or in L.A. or in 
fucking Chicago, and it seems so unfair that two guys that actually talk about being from the fucking city, being yeah. from the Midwest, we're not like, we're not, we're not, we're not ashamed of it at all. And it's like they're just like, mm, no, I'm not interested, not into this. Never ask us to do comedy festivals or anything in town. They bring all kind, they fly all kinds of people in from out of town to do these comedy festivals, and they <laughs> never, they never get a hold of us. But then again, it's like. Again, I I'll cut them out. Then you just we're able to now like go around that kind of those little private fiefdoms that are all over the country. Dude, we have the resources now to do everything DIY, and then That's probably cool. also do better and make more money and just do, like do a better job than all those people. They're in a dying system anyway. So being like, more honest, I think what you said was about being. We get to. We and you and Chapo and all, and Come Town and and all of these shows, like we get to be honest about who we are and what we do, and uh, we don't have to. We don't have a boss. We don't have anybody that can tell us what to do, and we can say what we want. And there's a kind of freedom in that. That if you if you are just a person who's trying to make it in a in in stand up as like a whole now, the way that it is, you're you're kind of trapped into doing jokes and doing uh you're kind of trapped into into trying to make it for a more broad audience well the, the medium itself is like it has structural quagmires where you go well i mean what is it to be a performer especially something as direct as a comedian well you go okay i'm a person who stands on stage and then there's an audience and they're like a litmus test that i test things off of and go you know oh d does this work for them but the audience then changes depending on whether you're like doing clubs and doing the more monoculture thing and trying to become somebody that's appealing to everyone or you pick the path of like I'm going to use what we have now on the internet to like aggregate our own audience so the material I'm putting out isn't going to be universally liked no. but it's going to be really liked by the people that get it right mm -hmm. those are like two it's a fork in the road that you kind of have to reckon with at all times you know, yeah. which one of these things am I doing but it, like there's no reason not to now I think and people are so just fucking unrealistic and so just like have a dream of being of success that nobody fucking sees and like my best paying job my my big dick job i paid i made thirty five thousand dollars a year that was like my most successful <laughs> Ooh, <-dee> <laughs> and uh um i we're making thirty thousand dollars a year doing this and i that is fucking fine with me I, I would shut up like this is way better than any fucking job i've ever had <laughs> so if if it's like oh i'm working really hard doing what i love meeting all these people doing all this stuff and i and if we peak at like ninety thousand dollars a year i'll be three times as high as the most <laughs> i've ever made i'm i'm too blessed to be this stressed and there yeah. will never I will, i'm gonna say this there's never gonna be another jerry seinfeld or like a louis ck or a dave Chappelle like that we I, can only hope there will never be another louis <laughs> well, yeah, ck true, but yes. <laughs> i think that thing's over now i really think that that whole that whole like there's this is oh, the yeah, biggest yeah. comedian in the world that's over well, that's, that's done that's what I was saying about the monoculture shit is like I mean there were, there were people that in the same way that there are like bands that the industry tries to insist are the new big thing but aren't really functionally there's <laughs> gonna be like comedians that get pushed because comedians have agents and they get marketed real hard mm -hmm. and they'll try to like sort of present this as like you know 
the new big person or whatever, but it's going to become more and more absurd as people just realize that, like, yeah, I mean, these fucking Zoomers coming up, do you think they even like stand-up? Their idea <laughs> of comedy is like insane YouTube shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Well, he said it a long time ago, but it was like, uh, the funny thing is, is we roll into town and we probably don't draw the people that go to stand-up comedy shows. Right. Like, we're drawing from something else. I don't know what it is. This is like all these punk, like, you get, like, we get like these punk trans kids at our shows and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, uh, they would never get comedy. They, there was never going to be comedy for, for any of those people. Like, and, and now there's like a scene built around something some I like try to keep reminding myself of. And because I've been mired in the world of comedy for so long, it's easy to forget is that when I first thought of the concept of like, maybe I will do stand up, The idea I had was stand up is kind of lame and dorky. I like cool art punk shit. I'm going to pull stand up in that fucking direction. You two are brothers right yeah. here. That's I, him. He, I grew up thinking it was corny. That's why I wanted to be in a rock band. I wanted. But, I, but like, that's what we're doing now is we accomplished it. We, yeah. that's, you have a different audience because you didn't want the fucking Seinfeld audience. No, I don't want to go on stage and be like, what's the deal with that? Like, that was never. I hate when I hear a setup. For some reason, that sucks. When I'm sitting in an audience and somebody, I know you're, I'm, oh, that's the setup for the joke. Hey, I was speaking of this. What about this? And you're like, oh, God, nobody was speaking of that. You're the only one talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did the WrestleMania show uh, watch party for WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. And they, for friends, of, friends of the show. Yeah, we got a fuck the troops chant started. Hell yeah. And like when Ronda Rousey was on, they were saying, fuck. Turfs, fuck, turfs, fuck, turfs. <laughs> and it was like, this is great. This is the community I want to watch wrestling with. I don't want to be around, like, you know, bros and fucking chuds. Yeah. It was yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah. You're um, even picking your audience. And you notice, like, back in, the, back in the day, it was like a mostly white male audience at a lot of this stuff. And that has kind of, like, evened out more now with our stuff, the, I think. The comedy clubs are still a lot of shitty white dudes. And... I mean, that's just like a good uh, sort of uh, litmus test hallmark thing. When you look at our shows and you see the audience, you go, okay, this is this is not that. This is something more interesting. <laughs> this right? isn't something some people from the suburbs come to that are a little edgy. Oh, I'm a little edgy. Showing you know? up to I'm hear the bad words. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to say bad words on stage. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I, you, you ever like have to explain it. You explain what you do. Oh, I do comedy. And they're like, oh, what kind of comedy? I have a pretty sick sense of humor. And Dude. you're like, well, it's kind of, I mean, I guess you could call it edgy. I don't I don't consider what we do edgy. I consider what we do kind of, I want to be edgy more than anything in the world. I want people to be like, these guys fucking crossing all the lines and shit. Yeah. I also think that what we do is relatively clean. Yeah. And uh, so, like, it is weird trying to even explain to people, like, well... Yeah, it's edgy, but it would probably like actually offend you if you're like a patriotic American. You know? <laughs> yeah, I used to get booked on like dirty shows sometimes, and because people would go like, "Oh, you're like an offensive comic," and then I would look at my material, and go, "I don't have any material about like dirt. It's just I'm just offensive ideology, uh, ideologically <laughs> or whatever. Right. I'm not even cursing that much. It's just something that's abrasive because it's in." contrast to the comic before you that was some milk toast weirdo that just you know wanted to do Zach Alphanakis jokes or whatever talk about jerking off or yeah. farting I hated I hated open mics because I would have to go on stage after some guy that just talked about jerking off and farting for 10 minutes yeah Louis really caused that <laughs> wave of guys talking about jerking off 
Um, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, we should uh, we should probably wrap up, but uh, we'll beat again. I hope. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. We love to work together. Uh, we get next you time we come, come to town. Columbus, and Dude, we'll be back here. We'll talk. I'm booking my next tour as we speak, so uh, we'll we can help. Yeah, we can hook you up with a hotel. Fuck we got it. a family wow. discount. We can get you a nice hotel. We can get you a venue, and if you want us to come on stage for ten minutes before you go up, we will absolutely do that. All that <laughs> fucking rules. Yeah, and my kids <laughs> at school all day, so I can do. I can uh, hang. Cool. Yeah. No. Obviously, I'm fucking down as hell for that. Yeah, uh, just you, ha- you had me at a hotel, posted. but let's definitely do a show together too. <laughs> it's the nicest hotel in town too. Just saying. I mean, <laughs> um, fucking street fight. I'm sure most of my listeners know of you, but for anyone who's, uh, you know, I've got a mixed crowd. So uh, plug, plug away. Where, where can people find you and stuff? Uh, streetfightradio.com is like our the main hub. There's all the stuff that people like to click on. You know, based upon what the words say, um, it'll take you there. And uh, you know, we tour. Check our tour dates, and yeah. I'm, I'm murder Brian. I like if you want like a lot the of most Brian. the most street fight <laughs> stuff. That's where you can. I mean, the most like of this, whatever this is. That, that's it's He's prolific, never ending fountain of it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I run all the other social media accounts. It's just Street Fight WCRS. I'm usually on Instagram. I do like Instagram lives once or twice a week, which are fun and weird. Uh, but uh, I'm enjoying them. Uh, and I'm at Brett Payne on Twitter, P-A-I-N. All right, fucking sick. Thank you, guys. Appreciate uh, it, man. We did it.